You're listening to Tap Into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic and global policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. Margie, I'm really looking forward to our discussion today with Métis on trade. You know, a lot of companies are considering trade and the issues with respect to it. And what's gotten a lot of publication or a lot of focus are these investigations with digital services taxes that they're hearing about. And Julie, no one likes a big surprise on the back end of one of these interactions. So hopefully Métis can provide some clarity for us today. So let's talk tax. Welcome, listeners. I am Julie Allen, PwC's National Tax Services Market Leader, and I'm joined today by Margie Dungeshaw, PwC's U.S. Tax Reporting and Strategy Leader, and Métis Pereira, a Managing Director and PwC's Customs and International Trade Practice co-leader. Métis will talk through the key developments in the trade space, most notably the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, which is commonly referred to as the USMCA, that was entered into force on July 1st. So with that, Métis, let's start with trade policy developments. Can you give us the highlights? Thanks, Julie. I appreciate the opportunity to join you today. There is continued uncertainty in the global trade environment, with many stakeholders continuing trade tensions relating to the adoption of digital services. The trade environment will inevitably continue to experience substantial pressure resulting from aggressive tariff measures. So Métis, let's take this a little bit further and talk more about trade investigations of digital services taxes. You know, earlier this summer, the Trump administration announced a Section 301 investigation of digital service taxes that were either adopted or proposed in a number of individual countries, as well as in the European Union. Can you give us some insight into these investigations and what the administration is looking to address? Sure, Julie. First, I'd like to clarify that the Section 301 reference we're speaking about is to the Trade Act of 1974 not the Internal Revenue Code. Listeners may recall that we touched on this topic briefly during a previous podcast with uh, Chris Kong. He talked about doing business in the U.S. The U.S. is looking at unilateral measures against a host of countries, including Austria, Brazil, the European Union, India, and and many others, um, which could lead to new punitive tariffs and heightened trade tensions. The concern is that U.S. trading partners are adopting taxes that could unfairly target U.S.-based companies. In response, the U.S. trade representative has said that the U.S. is prepared to take action to protect U.S. businesses and employees against discrimination. It's really undeniable that the imposition of these types of tariffs could further strain a global economy that is already facing the worst downturn in more than a century. And stepping back, The U.S. already has implemented various Section 301 tariffs, including a tariff of between 15 and 25 percent on $7.5 billion of select products from specific EU countries in connection with last year's WTO Airbus case. More recently, 
the USTR announced the imposition of 25% tariffs on select products of French origin in response to that country's digital service tax. Those are scheduled to go into effect in January of 2021. So as other countries announce the adoption of DST frameworks in their jurisdictions, it remains to be seen if the Trump administration extends the tariffs to products of those countries as well. Métis, this is a rapidly developing area. And we've seen that the OECD has publicly commented that the progression and resolution of global talks on digital services taxes under BEPS 2.0 may depend on the outcome of the U.S. elections this November. This could prolong already delayed talks to secure a deal on taxing the digital economy. In the interim, one can only predict a clear and significant risk of trade tensions over the digital services tax. So let's turn to the USMCA. What are the basics in a nutshell? The USMCA replaces the North American Free Trade Agreement, which we've come to know as NAFTA. The new agreement maintains a free trade relationship between the North American countries and officially ends a period of trade uncertainty in the region. At the same time, the USMCA reflects significant changes to the NAFTA treaty, which had been in place since January of 1994 and it creates new questions of its own. And while the USMCA contains significant benefits, it also contains traps for the unwary. And there are significant overall changes as well as many country-specific changes. It's important to remember that free trade agreements like the USMCA create a conditionally free outcome. To take advantage of its benefits, specific requirements must be satisfied. Just as with NAFTA for the past 26 years, companies will have to analyze the new procedures and follow the guiding regulations to obtain the benefits that the USMCA offers. This process started on July 1 of this year, but will continue for months as both companies and the various customs agencies become more familiar with the new processes. Let's take that a little bit further, Métis, because I know you talked a little bit about the overall changes and highlighted, you know, that there might be some specific country changes. So with the USMCA already in force, what has been the reaction of companies thus far to some of these points that you've mentioned? Certainly. Many companies are experiencing temporary frustrations, mostly resulting from lack of preparedness for the NAFTA to USMCA changeover, which did not involve a formal transition period. But once the initial challenges are cleared, the USMCA is expected to provide a solid foundation for North American operations, offering much needed stability to US supply chains. In fact, the US International Trade Commission projects that the USMCA by itself will raise US gross domestic product by 0.35% in coming years. It's interesting, Metis. We've gotten some feedback from many executives at our clients. And generally, stability in today's trade environment would be a welcome development. And it's also worth noting that when we surveyed some of those C-suite executives, over 400 of them, to see how the USMCA is changing how they conduct business. Based on those results, more than half of the executives surveyed believe they know what to expect from the new trade agreement. But in the same hand, 
they may not realize all the steps that will be needed. So how would you advise these leaders to be better prepared? A good step would be to evaluate how their businesses are employing NAFTA to currently limit exposure to tariffs. Once it is known whether a company has been compliant with NAFTA in the past, there should be an assessment as to whether the firm can meet new requirements under the USMCA. This isn't a one-department job. Cross-functional teams can ease the transition. Tax, supply chain, and customer and supplier relations are the top three areas coordinating with compliance teams at companies in order to make a successful transition to USMCA. Thanks, Métis. I like that you really focused on that this is not a one-department job and that that cross-functional teaming is going to be very important. I want to take you back to the first part of your discussion there where you were talking about the good first steps that companies can take. And so let's expand upon those steps. Considering that we know there are two standout points in the USMCA that could impact future trade priorities and that those are first, protecting the free flow of data across borders, and second, raising labor and environmental standards in key trading partner nations as a condition for preferential access to the U.S. markets, will you give us some of the common themes particular to these standout points for companies and things that they can focus on when taking these first steps? And since we're talking about data, it seems like automation is going to be an important start. Automation is, once again, a common theme. Increased automation at the border has made trade data more visible to traders as well as to governments. As a result, trade audits and sampling methods are improving. This puts a premium on providing accurate content data. For these reasons, what may not have been expected to cause much change can be the trigger for moves that have been building up over time. Trade automation solutions and tariff impact assessments and modeling tools can help executives make informed strategic sourcing decisions as they evaluate the USMCA and other trade agreement opportunities. Automation will also be important in terms of managing the supply chain and making it more flexible going forward. Business leaders will need to assess the impact that the company makes on the environment and evaluate where to increase efficiencies. Consideration should be given as to whether it is still cost-efficient to maintain manufacturing in certain locations. Wage requirements are another important factor to think about. Lastly, it will be critical to reconnect with suppliers. Companies should seek to confirm that all are thinking about compliance. They'll need to be prepared to verify and validate the source of their products. Manufacturers rely on their suppliers to understand the USMCA requirements and provide them with accurate information. Depending on purchasing or sales teams, technical expertise to complete trade agreement origin certifications may not be adequate. The USMCA rules can differ from NAFTA and also from other trade agreements like the US-Korea FTA. Eligibility verification procedures conducted by customs authorities will be different than many suppliers are used to under the NAFTA framework. Ultimately, meeting the rules is where the opportunities lie with the USMCA and other agreements. This is great information, Métis. There is so much to consider in terms of compliance. 
It is good that a major piece of trade uncertainty has now been favorably resolved via the USMCA. It seems the threat of the U.S. pulling out of NAFTA now is dissipated, and it's been replaced by a sense of certainty of a continued free trade area for years to come in a large regional market. That's right, Margie. The USMCA's supporters believe these changes will benefit the American workforce by narrowing the labor cost arbitrage that moves jobs offshore and creating longer-term upward growth in wages throughout the North American economies. We see this as a ray of sunshine in an otherwise gloomy trade forecast. Métis, thank you. I love that ray of sunshine reference because we definitely love that focus when we're thinking of what will benefit the American workforce. And so thank you so much for joining us today to go over and discuss all things trade and with the USMCA. We really appreciate your insight. It's my pleasure, Julie. Thank you for joining us, Métis. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.